podcast dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant, and fun. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Today, we're sharing our most anticipated summer releases with some backlist pairings. Hey, Chelsea. Hi, Sarah. Happy summer reading season. Hooray. (laughs) (laughs) I love summer reading. I know you do, too. I do. I'm, for some reason, I'm feeling a little bit differently about it this year. I feel like I have no idea what my summer reading mood is. My brain's a little broken. This summer, I feel like it's even harder for me to figure out what I want to read next than last summer when we were all like really mired in pandemic feelings and had pandemic brain. I feel almost like this summer is a little tougher. And I'm just sharing that because I'm sure I'm not the only reader feeling this way. And maybe that brings a little comfort to someone. Yeah. Maybe there's something about, I mean, there was certainly a ton of uncertainty last summer as well, but think we all pretty well knew like we were going to be like hold up for a while canceling trips reading in our backyards like maybe have some some of that in mind it's harder to to know right now what the summer is going to look like and I think my rest of the year reading was so different than it typically is that I don't have that like reaction against it (laughs) that I usually have for summer reading, right? Like, I feel like summer reading is often the time where we read the things that we don't get a chance to the rest of the year. So whether that's like the breeziest of beach reads, or maybe it's some longer, denser books because of our jobs don't let us focus on that during the rest of the year or something. But yeah, I, I feel off a little bit as well. Okay. Glad to know I'm not alone. Listeners, (laughs) if that's you, it's totally fine. Summer reading can be both exciting and, you know, it might take a little while for us to find our footing. So our goal today is to give you some heads up on the buzzy and sort of uh, under the radar new releases that we're excited about and pair them with some backlist books that might be a little bit easier to get from the library. And I'm finding that my anticipated reads are all over the place. And like I said, I just have no idea what I'm going to be in the mood for. I feel like my reading taste changes day to day. So um, I was really looking for books in translation, some interesting things that I might not typically pick up that I want to try. So it's really a mishmash. But what about you, Sarah? What's your typical summer reading like? And then what have you selected here today? Well, this will be my first summer where I'm not a teacher. So I feel like being a teacher has shaped my summer reading for many years. And that meant both that summer was a time where I could read almost more challenging books than I had time to in the school year, but also where I was really seeking a brain break as well. And of course, summer was when I would vet books for the classroom as well. So I don't have really any of those (laughs) categories in mind for this summer. So I would agree. My selections today are all over the place. I have some things that just sound so fun. I have 
some things that I know will push and challenge me as a reader. I have a couple books that are even going to be hard for me to describe, and I'm not totally sure what they are, but something about them has drawn me to them. <laughs> so yeah, I've got I've got a little bit of everything on here. Well, I'm excited to hear because part of this is we build each other's to-be-read lists by finding books that the other one didn't see or describing them in a new way. So I'm excited to hear your recommendations and add some to my pile. So we are going to be starting with June releases. It's June 1st, which is a Tuesday. So new book day. We've got some books coming out today that you can already get. We did want to mention up front, though, so many great summer reading books came out in May. And we might have mentioned some of those in our spring reading preview. So you definitely want to go back and take a listen to that. But we're also going to do a special episode, bonus episode for our Patreon community, where we talk more about those May releases that we've either already read and loved or are really excited to get to this summer. So Keep an eye out for that. It's a, summer's a great time to join our Patreon community and build your TBR even more. Okay, Sarah, let's kick it off. What is a book that you are excited about that releases today? So many great books come out today, Chelsea. Yeah, there's a lot. So I'm not going to say much about this one because it is a big, buzzy book. But I did read and really enjoy Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. This is a book about the Riva family. There are four grown children in the present day timeline. The, the present day timeline is set in the 1980s. It takes place in the course of a single day leading up to the annual blowout summer party that the Riva kids put on every single year. I really love that structure of a story that happens in a single day. But we also get that interspersed with flashbacks of the Riva kids' parents and how they grew up and all of the kind of very difficult and challenging things that they faced as a family and that brought these siblings together and made them who they are. As promised in the title this is set in Malibu so there's a glitzy element the party features uh both real and fake celebrities so that is really really fun um but there's this book has a lot of heart too it's not all glitz and glamour like like much of Taylor Jenkins Reid's books she really knows how to balance those fun settings and fun details with characters who have a lot of heart and some real struggles. And this book is is no different. I also feel like Taylor Jenkins Reid is the queen of structuring a page turner. Like she just knows how to put together a plot. Her editors probably get quite a bit of credit for this <laughs> as well. <laughs> to make you want to keep turning pages and to get to the next part of the story. So to me that makes a great summer read. This book, of course, you should read it if you liked her her other books, but it also, it's a family story. And so it reminded me a lot of The Most Fun We Ever Had by Claire Lombardo or All Adults Here by Emma Straub, but it's shorter and glitzier with more lovable characters than either of those books. But if you like that kind of family saga, 
and you're looking for the beach read version, Malibu Rising is a great one to pick up. This next book that you have on the list, Sarah, I think that we mentioned it really quickly at the end of our spring anticipated reads because we couldn't resist and because we thought it might be a good pairing with Passing by Nella Larson. So give us an update because you read The Other Black Girl. So tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, so I really enjoyed this one. It's a debut by Zakia Delilah Harris. And this book, it's so compelling. So first of all, you have to know it's set in a fictional publishing house. And so I think, you know, we book people, we like to read behind the scenes stuff. We like books about books. And so that is a draw right away. Our main character is the only Black employee at this publishing house at least for the first 20 or so pages of the book. (laughs) And then they hire the other Black girl. And our protagonist is like so excited about this. She's been seeking change in this publishing house since she's been there, both in terms of the demographics of the employees there and the types of books the publishing house is putting out. I mean, this book mirrors and echoes so many of the conversations that are really happening in the publishing world right now. And those were some of my favorite scenes to see a editorial meeting where the only Black woman in the room is advocating that a a character or a trope in a book is racist and no one is listening to her. Like Those scenes are so powerful. So this is a thriller and we get a lot of suspense. Somebody starts leaving notes around the office about how our protagonist needs to leave the publishing house now um, or else. And so it's one of those like ominous stories hanging over our head. I really like this one. I think I mentioned on the spring preview that I am still eager to see more own voices reviews. I've seen some really positive own voices reviews and some pretty negative ones. We'll try to link to some of those in the show notes. Um, So I'll just be eager to, to watch for those. I think this is a great pairing for When No One Is Watching by Alyssa Cole. They have similar pacing where it's kind of a slow burn and they also both defy genres in ways that I'm not going to say how because it would be spoilery. But if you liked some of the ways that when no one is watching is exploring beyond the thriller genre, I think you might like The Other Black Girl as well. All right, Chelsea, what do you have up for us that's out today? Out today from Berkeley is Dead Dead Girls by Nikessa Afia. And Okay, first I have to say the cover of this book I find incredibly lovely, but also a little bit misleading because based on the cover, I would file it away with Maisie Dobbs, the Her Royal Spinus Mysteries. I would file it either as like a cozy historical mystery or maybe even YA 
The author specifically responded to this and said, this is not YA. This is not a cozy. This is gritty. There's violence. This is a straight adult mystery. So Dead Dead Girls is the first in a new mystery series, the Harlem Renaissance Mysteries. They are set in 1920s Harlem. Louise Lloyd is a young Black woman, and she is the detective. She is the protagonist. And she had this kidnapping experience when she was a young girl in her teens and basically does everything she can to sort of bury that trauma and live a regular life. She works at a speakeasy and is basically a flapper. So a dead girl turns up in front of the speakeasy where she works. And so Louise is has been trying to ignore the news about several local black girls being murdered in the area. But now this dead girl is right in front of where she works and she has to face it. So when she gets arrested under questionable circumstances with a police officer, she's given an ultimatum and is ultimately called on to take on the case and help because because of her identity, she is able to, um, you know, offer insights and experience that the police need in order to catch this killer. So she ends up having to sort of face her past and solve the mystery. So I typically like to read at least one or two mysteries over summer. This one popped up for me because Loyalty Books is recommending it. And I really love their bookstore. I have attended a few of their author events online over the last year, and I trust that they know a good book when they see it. So recommended by Loyalty Books, that's Dead Dead Girls by Nikessa Afia. I think if you like The Diviners by Libba Bray, which is also a 1920s somewhat mystery, but also has sort of a mystical element to it, that would be a good pairing. The Diviners is a little bit grittier than it appears as well. Or if you like nonfiction, The Girls of Murder City by Douglas Perry is a nonfiction account of basically the real story behind the musical Chicago. So I think that those would make for a good pairing. I wanted to especially stay away from like the, like I said, the Maisie Dobbs, like the cozy mysteries that sort of you would mistake this for from the cover. But I'm excited to read it. And potentially because it's the first in a series, there might be a bunch more to read if I really like it. So Dead Dead Girls by Nikessa Afia. That sounds fantastic. And I agree with you. The cover is lovely, but also misleading. (laughs) Isn't it? It's beautiful, but it does look like a cozy mystery. And that's not what it is. Author said so. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Also out today, I have a memoir on this list. It is Somebody's Daughter by Ashley C. Ford. So Ashley C. Ford is a really prolific writer. This is her, but this is her first book, but she has written for like every major publication that you <laughs> can find. She's written for The Guardian, for BuzzFeed, for Vogue and Slate. And she also is the host of um, some great podcasts, including HBO's podcast about Lovecraft Country. Um, So you've probably heard or read Ashley C. Ford, even if you 
if her name isn't like jumping out at you as as particularly familiar. So in this memoir, she writes about her her adolescence and teenage years. She grew up with her father incarcerated and her not really having any real sense of of why or the the history of that. Um, and she she writes, I, I believe but I haven't read this one about desire for a relationship with him, especially as things get harder and harder between her and her mother when she's a teenager. Um, it sounds like a, a tough read, but everything that I've seen says that it's just like incredibly powerful and beautifully written. The, I think, big conflict and crux of the book centers around um, Ashley, you know, really falling in love as a teenager, but that relationship becoming abusive and it focuses on sexual assault. So lots of trigger warnings here. I think one of the things that really draws me to this is Ashley Ford grew up in Indiana and a lot of the book reflects on the experience of being a young black girl in Indiana, which is a predominantly white state in in many areas. So I feel like I've been trying to diversify the type of books I read by black authors. I feel like I read stories from particular areas um, and locations, and I just have not read a memoir from a black Midwestern writer. And, and I'm really looking forward to picking this up. I've also heard that it's fantastic on audio. It was an ALC from Libro FM. So I've, I've heard from a lot of people who have already read and loved it. So that makes me really eager to pick this one up. It sounds like it would pair well with This Is My America by Kim Johnson, which is a YA novel about a teenage girl whose father is incarcerated and then whose brother is accused of a horrific crime. Of course, it also sounds like it would pair really well with Just Mercy, which is one of those few books that I can feel very comfortable saying everyone should read at some point in their lives. So I am excited for Somebody's Daughter by Ashley C. Ford out today. Oh, and it's going to be an Oprah pick. So you're going to see it everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I downloaded the ALC from Libro, so I'm really excited to listen to it. Mm -hmm. All right. What do you have up next for us? I have a short story collection published by Grey Wolf. I really love Grey Wolf. They're a little lesser known. And this is Walking on Cowrie Shells by Nana Nkwedi. I want to just read the author's description of this book. And I think it's pretty much all I have to say about it. My book features elements of mystery, horror, myth, and graphic novels to showcase the complexity and vibrance of African diaspora cultures and identities, ultimately serving as a counterpoint to prevalent, quote, heart of darkness writing that too often depicts a singular African experience plagued by locusts, hunger, and tribal infighting. Sounds so good. That sounds fantastic. (laughs) So as someone who 
loves genre and just like studying genre construction and structures and the way that authors choose to write in certain ways. I am fascinated by this. I mean, even just that description shares how the structure and how the mix of genre is connected to the themes in these short stories. A couple of the descriptions from the publisher's blurb of the short stories sounded amazing and fascinating. And I just think it sounds so Good. So a couple of short story collections that I think would pair really well with this one. As far as backlist goes, I really loved How Long Till Black Future Month by N.K. Jemison. Jemison is an amazing writer, and I feel like Jemison was also in a different way writing about diaspora and just, I don't know, also mixing genres in a unique way in that collection, though N.K. Jemison is primarily a fantasy writer. And I also think The Heads of the Colored People um, by Nafisa Thompson-Spires would be a great short story pairing here. So I'm really excited to read Walking on Cowrie Shells. It's out today. And Grey Wolf, I just think, does a really great job of selecting books to publish. So I'm, I'm excited about this one. All right. The next one you have on the list here, I'm really excited to hear you talk about because it's coming out from Pushkin Press, which you have just had such great luck with books from Pushkin Press. And I I bet this will be no different. This is totally a Sarah book, by the way. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So part of why I love Pushkin is it's just like a go-to place for me to find international books translated books, um, books that were maybe published a long time ago. They do a lot of like reprints, like my favorite, A Woman in the Polar Night was a reprint from decades ago. So they're just like a good go-to press. They are, I believe, a UK press. So sometimes their books, you have to kind of cross-check the dates. So the date on this one is June 3rd, but that's because just, I don't know, it like it was originally published in Norwegian in 2019. So like I said, you just have to kind of be mindful of the dates with international presses because they don't all come out on the same Tuesday like in the US. But anyway, this book that I'm circling around is Grown Ups by Marie Aubert. Like I said, it is translated from Norwegian and it is about Ida and she is 40. She's single. She is starting to get just nervous and have all sorts of feelings about the possibility of motherhood slipping away from her. So she is, she's on Tinder. She's trying to find a match. She's thinking about freezing her eggs, but She goes to the Seaside family cabin for her mom's 65th birthday and thinks like, okay, I just need to put my personal stuff on pause and just go celebrate my mom and take a break from all of this Tinder scrolling. (laughs) But her sister is there and her sister shares some news and tensions rise. Ida and her sister and her mother and the whole family end up clashing And this is a dysfunctional 
family story about being a grown-up, having to navigate big feelings with your siblings as adults, and navigating aging into your 40s. So I just think this sounds really good. I'm interested in reading this book in translation and just kind of seeing how Norwegian culture handles some of these concepts and things that a lot of women's fiction in the U.S. has been published about. And I think really any Emma Straub book will pair well with this one. Just any Emma Straub. If you love Emma Straub books or (laughs) any of the complicated family stories in that vein, Grown Ups by Marie Aubert from Pushkin Press might, might be a fresh change. But keep in mind, I haven't read it yet. We haven't read all of these books. So Yeah, we'll let you know when we have, but mostly (laughs) we're just excited about them. Yes. Well, that also sounds like it would pair really well with this memoir that we are both really excited about. Um, So will you tell us about The Natural Mother of the Child? Yes, this is by Chris Malcolm Belk, and this is a memoir in essays. You pretty much have me with memoir and essays. I love a memoir and essays. And it's also described as a visual memoir and essays. So I haven't opened this book to see exactly what this means. But basically, it explores how, as a non-binary transmasculine parent, Chris Malcolm Belk has just really had to do a lot of thinking about how parenthood and gender interact Because when his partner, Anna, adopted his son, Samson, the legal documents all listed the author as, quote, the natural mother of the child. Mm. And so this memoir and essays is exploring, well, what does natural mother mean? What do these words, mother and father, we don't necessarily have language to express non-binary parenthood or... Um, how are these, how is society gendering these parenthood roles just as much as we're gendering our kids? And so this memoir and essays basically just sort of goes into how other typical experiences of motherhood don't necessarily fit with Belk's experience as a non-binary transmasculine person. Um, but that the journey of parenthood is so unique to everybody and how, you know, how family gets shaped. And it just sounds absolutely lovely. And I, I'm just really excited about this, this book being out in the world. So The Natural Mother of the Child, the subtitle is a memoir of non-binary parenthood. It's by Chris Malcolm Belk. That sounds so good. And I think you're pairing with Detransition Baby by Tori Peters as a novel exploring similar topics is is a great one. Yeah. And this one's out um, June 15th. I don't, I think I forgot to mention that. All right. Well, I have um, two books that I'm really excited about that come out on June 22nd. One is Filthy Animals by Brandon Taylor. It's out from Riverhead. And I think it's very exciting that we're getting another Brandon Taylor book so soon. 
after Real Life came out last year. I really enjoyed Real Life. I especially just thought that Brandon Taylor's writing was so unique and special and vibrant. And so I'm looking forward to reading more. This is a collection of short stories. And I think that for me, the way Brandon Taylor writes is going to lend itself really well to the short story format because he just, he loves a metaphor. He loves like really vivid, um, sometimes strange imagery. (laughs) And I think it's going to be really fun to see that at work in some short fiction. This is also a series of linked stories and it follows a set of young creative types living in the American Midwest. I love linked short stories. I think it's so fun to see characters kind of pop up in each other's stories as like minor roles and then get to see from their perspective or more about their life in a later story. Um, and I think I'm not sure you're going to like this one, Chelsea, because (laughs) like mean millennial friendships are not something that you enjoy in your, in your books. And it seems like there might be some of that here. (laughs) Um, but, but I can vet it for you and, and just let you know. You let me know how mean they are. (laughs) Yeah, I I will. Um, (laughs) I think that focusing on like quote-unquote young creatives will be really interesting because, I don't know, I I just, I think I see a lot of coming-of-age books that are about young people deciding kind of whether or not to pursue a more, like, quote-unquote traditional path and career and journey. And I'm excited for something that focuses kind of exclusively on, on people who are doing something different. Um, so yeah, I am excited about filthy animals and I really struggled to come up with a pairing for this one. Um, I think that I don't know that I have read a a book of interconnected short stories that focuses on friendships. I have read a lot that focus on families or like a specific town, but like I don't, I don't know. Like I, I think it would put people off and probably be totally inaccurate to compare it to something like Olive Kittredge, right? (laughs) Like Brandon Taylor's doing something totally different. The one thing that I can maybe compare it to or think would be a good pairing is Lot by Brian Washington. I think Brian Washington and Brandon Taylor have fairly similar writing styles and Lot is more interconnected because of a place it's all set in in Houston and there are a lot of neighbors featured in in that so that would come close but I would also love to hear from listeners if they have anything in mind that sounds like it would go well with filthy animals and then my other June 22nd book I have read and I I really enjoyed it it was not quite what I was expecting God Spare the Girls by Kelsey McKinney is out from William Morrow, and it is a book about two sisters. They grew up kind of like evangelical royalty in Texas as part of this megachurch. Their father is a pastor who 
had like a a viral sermon <laughs> on YouTube that that catapulted him into fame. It was a sermon about purity culture that he gave with his then 16-year-old daughter. That daughter is now in her early 20s. She's about to get married. Her younger sister is graduating from high school and going off to college. So lots of big changes ahead for this family. And then they find out a secret that their father has been keeping from his family and his congregation that exposes a lot of hypocrisies um, based on you know what he's been espousing to his congregation for, for many years. This really devastates and rattles his daughters. And these two sisters haven't ever been particularly close, but they decide they need to get away from their parents. They need to bond. They need to process the changes that are happening, both because of what their father has revealed and because of just what's coming up for them in their own lives. So they head out to this ranch that their grandmother owned and and just spend the summer together. It's a quite quiet book for how kind of dramatic the setup sounds. It really is about these two sisters, their relationship with each other, how they grow and change in terms of their faith over the course of the summer. The older sister is very involved in the church. She she has dreams of becoming a leader in the church, although with with the patriarchal structure of her particular church, that's not really a possibility for her right now. Her younger sister is less certain of her faith and is excited to kind of get away from her family and the church she's grown up in. And it's just, it's a really great exploration of sisterhood and evangelicalism and purity culture. And so I really, really enjoyed it. I just want readers to know that it is pretty slow. It's it's very, very character-driven um, in, in that way, even though it sounds like there's a lot of drama. I thought this would pair well with The Book of Essie by Megan McLean Weir, which also explores a teenage girl in a very patriarchal household. This is kind of loosely based on or inspired by some reality TV show that its name is escaping me right now, but it's about a, a girl named Essie whose family has been the subject of reality, a reality TV show where they share their faith and their life for her whole life. And at 16, I believe she finds herself pregnant and she's trying to figure out how to navigate that both in terms of her family and their faith and the fact that she is on TV, it is much more dramatic. <laughs> so it is the like kind of page turnery version of God Spare the Girls, but they are certainly in conversation with each other in terms of how they're looking at purity culture um, in America. So God Spare the Girls is out June 22nd. Okay, that moves us into July. How fast the summer is going. <laughs> All right. July book I'm really excited about. Shoulder Season by Christina Clancy. And this comes out on July 6th from St. Martin's Press. 
I don't love the cover of this one. I just have to say, I don't know why. It just bugs my eyes for some reason. But I agree. I have a galley of this and I was like, I'm I'm not going to read this. But then I saw it on your list and I was read a description. I was like, oh, this sounds great. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. I just don't love the cover. It's just Agreed. like it, the background really bothers my eyes. Anyway, we're not supposed to judge a book by the cover. <laughs> we all know. But anyway, OK, here's the little synopsis. So this takes place in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And I'm in. I grew up in Wisconsin. Lake Geneva is like real, real fancy. And it's a pretty well-known vacation destination in Wisconsin. It's very, it's a summer town. So that setting really says summer to me. And this just, I have no idea if this is based on a true story or not. But in this book, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, there is a Playboy resort there. And the 19-year-old protagonist, Sherry Taylor, she grew up in East Troy. She was like an organist at the local church, just kind of shy and just not likely to be a Playboy bunny at all. But her parents die. She has to leave home. And in 1981, she joins. OK, I just have to read this exact blur because it. I love it. She joins the daughters of dairy farmers and factory workers for the defining experience of her life. <laughs> Wisconsin Playboy Bunnies. I, I'm so intrigued by this. And so this is about her like living with a bunch of these women in the Playboy Mansion, which is basically like a girl's dormitory and sort of getting her first taste of tastes of love and sex and drugs. And so... It just sounds really good. So this goes from her days as a young Playboy bunny, but then also later when she's trying to sort of reinvent herself after that experience. And this crosses time and place. Obviously, that mansion in Lake Geneva is Wisconsin setting, but she also like goes out to California. So I don't know. It just sounds really good. It sounds like, I don't know. I love a plucky heroine to root for. I love a transformation journey, so I think that it sounds delightful, and it sounds like it would pair well with City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert, or there's a book by Emma Strop that I read years ago um, that I think is probably one of her lesser known titles. It's Laura Lamont's Life in Pictures, and it's about a young Wisconsin girl who is performing in an outdoor theater and she ends up going out to Hollywood to become a famous actress. And it's very um, like Evelyn Hugo-esque, like it follows her life over the course of her whole career. So Laura Lamont's Life in Pictures by Emma Straub would also be a good pairing for that. So I am eager to sort of read that like glitzy, glamorous escape, but also feel a little dose of home. So Shoulder Season by Christina Clancy is pretty high on my list of summer reads. That sounds really fun and sounds like worth ignoring the cover for. I think so. Also out on July 6th is We Have Always Been Here by Lena Noyan. And this is a psychological sci-fi thriller. 
It is out from DAW, which is a Penguin imprint, and I imagine is like their sci-fi fantasy imprint, but I'm not exactly sure. So this just sounds really good. I am not much of a sci-fi reader. This is very much out of my genre comfort zone. But last year, I read The City We Became, also out of my genre comfort zone, and I loved it. So I'm hoping to kind of find a similar experience here. So this is about a psychologist, Dr. Grace Park. She is on a spaceship. She's going to an unexplored galaxy to observe 13 human crew members who are on the ship with her. They're going to a planet to sort of see if it's good for colonizing. But on this ship, there are also androids. And there's like this tension between the crew members and the androids. There's like this suspicion, this mistrust. But the psychologist, the protagonist, Dr. Grace Park, like actually really likes the androids. She kind of finds that they, I don't know, make good friends for her and just suit her personality better. But after they land on this planet, the crew is trapped on the ship. And all hell breaks loose. All of a the sudden, these crew members are having just like nightmares, almost, it's almost like zombie infection kind of symptoms. And the androids are acting really weird too. The doctor is the only one who's like seemingly unaffected and has to figure out what's going on. So it sounds really good even though it's set in space and space terrifies me. (laughs) (laughs) I think, so we had a Patreon episode about what we're watching currently. And I mentioned the show for all mankind, which is a space show on uh, Apple TV. And that show scares me more, (laughs) more than a horror movie because they're, because it's like, major events happening in space. Anyway, space terrifies me, but I'm really, (laughs) really excited to read We Have Always Been Here. I think that it could possibly pair well with All Systems Read by Martha Wells, which is also exploring sort of uh, android-human relationships. Or, this is not Backlist, this is also out recently, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir is It came out in May, and that also sort of has this main protagonist who is trying to solve the problem by himself because his crew members are incapacitated. And so it sounds like those might be a really good summer pairing if you like space stuff. (laughs) But I really want to read Project Hail Mary, too. So we will see. We Have Always Been Here by Lena Noyan. Sounds really good. That does sound good. It sounds like it might go well, weirdly, with my next anticipated book, just because they both are a little bit about AI, although mine is set on Earth. So if space scares you, (laughs) like (laughs) does Chelsea, maybe this one is a better place to start. I am super excited about The Startup Wife by Tamina Anam. It is out July 13th from Scribner, and this is the one I referenced at the top of the show where I was like, I don't, I really am having a hard time getting a grasp on what this book is exactly. Something about it is drawing me in. So it is about a newlywed couple, 
named Asha and Cyrus who build an app that replaces religious rituals with rituals personalized for you as an individual. I know. Sounds weird, right? Like I can't wrap my mind around what that will look like, but the premise really intrigues me. So I'm just going to read a little bit from the back cover because like I said, I don't have a firm grasp (laughs) on this one. Um, Cyrus inspires Asha to write a new algorithm before she knows it. She's abandoned her PhD program. They've exchanged vows and gone to work at an exclusive tech incubator called Utopia. You know, a tech incubator cannot be good news if it's called Utopia. The platform creates a sensation with millions of users seeking personalized rituals every day. Will, will Cyrus and Asha's marriage survive the pressures of sudden fame, or will she become overshadowed by the man everyone is calling the new messiah? In this gripping, blistering novel, award-winning author Tamina Anam takes on faith and the future with a gimlet eye and a deft touch. Come for the radical vision of human connection. Stay for the wickedly funny feminist look at startup culture and modern partnership. That description sounds all over the place, but I am in. I want to know about this app. I am so curious about it. I think AI stuff is fascinating. And the idea of some sort of technology replacing religion in people's lives is a concept that, I don't know, I feel like I've, I've read some articles recently about how, like, you know, there are certain influencers like a Glennon Doyle or a Brene Brown who are almost replacing that pastoral role in people's lives. And so I'm curious about this take on on AI and and faith. But the idea that it's also funny and feminist also piques my interest. So I don't know. I'm excited about the startup wife. I will absolutely report back. It could be a big swing and a miss. Um, But it sounds like it would pair pretty well with something like The Circle by Dave Eggers, which, full disclosure, I I hated. Uh, But similar sort of like startup incubator and tech world. Or with something really weird and quirky like Margaret Atwood's The Heart Goes Last, which also explores AI and tech and how it can affect uh, romantic relationships. So. I'll be curious if anyone else reads this one too. So that is The Startup Wife by Tamina Anam out July 13th. And now we are into August. We both were talking about how there weren't a ton of July books that were catching our attention, but we both have a few for August. Both of my August books that I'm most excited about are out on August 3rd. So the first, is, and I think you will be excited about this one too, Chelsea, because it's got some Shakespeare winks. The first is All's Well by Mona Awad. I loved her book, Bunny, which was probably the weirdest, darkest campus novel I have ever read. Not for everyone, but I loved it. And so I am super excited for All's Well. So this book is about a woman named Miranda Fitch, and she's the theater director at a college. 
she knows that she is getting pushed out. She has been increasingly reliant on on painkillers and her performance at work has been inconsistent at best. And so she's she's very she's very nervous about um about this kind of this upcoming year, but she decides she's going to give it her all and she insists on putting on Shakespeare's All's Well that ends well. It is her favorite. She wants to do it, but she faced, quote, a mutinous cast hell-bent on staging Macbeth instead. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I love that so much. And so then she meets these three benefactors of her program. They're very mysterious. They seem to know maybe a little bit too much about Miranda's past, maybe even too much about her future. I'm very much getting... Macbeth three witches vibes from these characters. And I know from Mona Awad's previous works that she is not afraid to get weird and a little bit magical. So I I think that might be where we're going with this one, but I haven't read it yet. So I don't know for sure. Um, but I love a book set on a college campus, love one set in a theater, and with all of these Shakespeare like both like explicit Shakespeare on the page. And then I think we're going to get some weirder Shakespeare illusions throughout. I think it's just going to be a really fun, probably dark to read. So I'm super excited about All's Well. Uh, sounds like it would pair well with If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio, which I know you and I both really enjoyed. But like I said, Mona Awad gets even weirder in her book. So she might throw us for even more of a loop. So that's all's well. And it is out August 3rd. Another kind of thrillery book set in a very specific subgroup is The Turnout by Megan Abbott. I really like Megan Abbott. She wrote Dare Me, which I think is like one of the most interesting books about teenage girls. It's about cheerleading. Have you read Dare Me? I don't think I've read Dare Me. I've read something else by her also about teenagers. Yeah. Was it the gymnastics one? Maybe. I don't Yeah. She it's likes a long to time ago. Go. Yeah. So so she's done cheerleading. She's done gymnastics. And now we are entering Megan Abbott's version of the ballet world. Um, I think ballet is crazy fascinating. (laughs) This is a book about two sisters who grew up as ballerinas and their career dreams were put off course when their parents died in a tragic accident. But now they run a ballet studio together. Uh, They're Dara and Marie, and then Dara's husband, Charlie, also helps them out. Um, And... They have this very successful ballet studio where Marie is kind of the good cop and Dara is kind of the bad cop, which you definitely need in a ballet studio. Um, And then we get another tragic accident. So just catastrophe seems to follow these sisters around. Of course, the accident falls right before 
the annual performance of the Nutcracker. If you know anything about the ballet world, the Nutcracker is like the the big show every studio puts on. It's like the big fundraiser it's the every Bowl. year. <laughs> it's the Super Bowl of every ballet studio. Um, and so this is a, a thriller about ballet. I mean, from what I've heard, it is much more a psychological thriller than a kind of fast-paced, murdery type of thriller, which is something that I prefer my thrillers more psychological. I think the element of two sisters and a husband running a studio together sounds really like a fascinating thing to explore. And I will be curious about this one because most of what I've read from Megan Abbott focuses on teenagers. And while I'm sure teenage girls will feature prominently since it's set in a ballet studio, our main characters here are the adults. And so I am curious to see kind of what she does with that, if she maybe gets a little bit darker or just if it will be different from some of her other books in in any way. I, I think, you know, the best thing to pair Megan Abbott with is other Megan Abbott <laughs> because she's very consistent about what types of books she writes and what kind of worlds she writes in. But I also want to throw out, and this book is newer. It also came out in 2021, Turning Point by Chloe Angel, which is a book about, it's nonfiction, and it's about ballet and a lack of diversity in ballet and how today's dancers are working to shift the culture of this very rigid world and rigid in so, so many ways. So I have started Turning Point and I'm really enjoying it so far. I like any kind of peek behind the curtain at subcultures books, and this one is really good. So that is The Turnout by Megan Abbott out August 3rd, and then Turning Point by Chloe Angel. All right, Chelsea, what August books are you excited about? On August 10th, Leila Slamani has a new book coming out called In the Country of Others. Have you read any of her stuff before? She wrote The Perfect Nanny, right? Yeah, I'm too scared to read that. It The first page is really awful, but then it's, I didn't find it that scary, but. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it could I just mean, be like a misconception on my part that I thought it was supposed to be pretty terrifying, but. It's a horrifying topic, but I found her writing to be very, like, distanced, which maybe makes it scarier for some readers, but for me, made it a little bit easier. Well, her new book, In the Country of Others, sounds really good to me. So this is translated from the French. Leila Slamani is a French author of Moroccan ancestry. And in this new novel... Matilda, a spirited young French woman, falls in love with a mean, handsome Moroccan soldier who is in the French army. So they fall in love during World War II, and then after the war, they go to Morocco and start a farm. So from there, while Amin basically tries farming, his wife just like really struggles with their two kids and assimilating. There's a lot of classism um, that she is trying to grapple with. And this novel takes place over the course of 10 years, which 
parallel tensions and violence leading up to Moroccan independence in 1956. So, The title comes from all of the characters in this novel who are, quote, in the country of others, whether they are settlers or from the area um, or coming from different class lines and or um, women fighting for their rights in this sort of emancipation journey. And it just sounds really interesting. This is a part of the world and a part of history that I don't know a lot about. And I think that the sort of focus on this couple could be really intriguing as well. So if you're looking for a backlist book with a Morocco setting, Tangerine by Christine Mangan might be a good choice. I don't know if the tones are similar, but the setting would be and I also think that this could pair well with This Lovely City by Louise Hare, which tackles some really similar themes in a similar time period, just in London. So that is In the Country of Others by Leila Slimani out August 10th. That and sounds really good. Doesn't it just, the, yeah. the premise just really grabbed me and bonus, the cover is beautiful. Oh, great. <laughs> okay, so this next one, I I don't know. I want to be excited but I didn't like Lindsay Faye's last book very much. What was her most recent? Her last one was The Paragon Hotel. Oh, yeah. I, I remember you talking about that on He Read, She Read. Oh, yeah. And Did I you? just, yeah, probably. I just didn't, didn't love it. But on August 10th, <laughs> she is coming out with The King of Infinite Space which is a lush, magical, queer, feminist Hamlet retelling. Whoa. Okay. I'll try that. Right. Especially since where is Gillian Flynn's Hamlet? We were promised it this year. So I'm glad Lindsay Faye is at least stepping into it to give us something. So it's set in New York City and... I think Hamlet is a neuroatypical physicist. He has a best friend, Horatio, of course, and an ex-fiance, and they are all sort of caught up in the events surrounding his father's death. So Ben, the Hamlet character, he is brilliant, and his Broadway theater baron father... (laughs) is dead. I love like that that is the translation to royalty in New York City here. Um but of course he doesn't know if it was an accident. This seems to like follow the story of Hamlet pretty closely. He's trying to figure out what happened. His mother is remarrying to his uncle and so anyway. From there it's Hamlet and um but there's seems to be like this sort of like curse and magic interwoven through here that sounds really interesting. I am not sure. I know that this novel is described as queer. I don't know um, how, like, I don't know which characters are queer. I don't know what their identities or sexualities are, how they're expressed. I don't see own voices for this yet because I don't even think that advanced review copies are out for it yet. Um, And that was something I didn't love about her last book. So I, I'm going into this cautiously, but 
queer feminist retelling of Hamlet. Like, you've got me hooked. And I loved, Mm -hmm. I loved Jane Steele by Lindsay Fay, which is her Jane Eyre retelling. She also has written retellings of Sherlock Holmes. So retellings seem to be what she's really good at. So I'm eager to read this one and see. If you just want to be lost in Shakespeare and you really like Hamlet, obviously pick up Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell, which doesn't necessarily have a lot to do with Hamlet, but is a little bit. Um, Or The Dead Father's Club by Matt Haig is sort of a unique Hamlet retelling that might pair well here. So I don't know, but The King of Infinite Space by Lindsay Fay, I'm willing to give her another shot because it sounds really good. I like when we put out some of these like less sure things on our our list because, you know, some of these trusted authors, big buzzy books, we we're pretty sure we're going to love. Others are going to love them. But yeah, it's fun to take a chance on some more out there books over the summer, too. I agree. Okay, I just have to share one more. I thought I could leave this one out, but I don't think I can because it's probably the book that I'm most excited for this summer. Well, no one's going to complain about more books. (laughs) (laughs) So throw it out there. I'm really excited to read The Guide by Peter Heller. This is out August 24th from Knopf. And it sounds really good. I really enjoyed The River, which was, um, I think it came out maybe two summers ago by Peter Heller. It's like a wilderness thriller mystery Really enjoyed it more than I even thought that I would. The Guide is sort of a sequel. You can read it standalone, but you will get some spoilers for The River because it features one of the same main characters. So The Guide is about a young man. um, And he is really grappling with grief and his past. And he goes to this super fancy fishing lodge in Colorado. It's the Kingfisher Lodge. And it's known by locals as the Billionaire's Mile. It's like locked behind barbed wire. It's like this super fancy place. And he goes to be a guide, gets paired up with a well-known country singer. And they go out and go fishing together. And they're there for the same purpose. Like they want to get away. They want to relax, get lost in fishing. But a scream pierces the night and he starts to uncover some things that are sinister and that make him question what exactly this lodge is doing and that there might be something more mysterious going on here. And from there, it gets to be really like a gripping thriller. Here is the thing. So I'm already hooked, right? But here is the thing. He shows up to this lodge. They take his temperature. He takes his mask off. There's like all of these subtle details that plant this book in not necessarily COVID, but like pandemic times that are familiar enough to us. But like this lodge is locked off from the rest of the world, partly because the pandemic is on the outside. And it's like seen as this escape from the pandemic. So this is not only like wilderness mystery thriller, like he did with the river and connected to the river. There's also a pandemic element. And I'm really curious. I've heard that that is really well done. I'm really curious to see how he does that. 
And I just think it sounds so good. So I'm really excited to read The Guide by Peter Heller. I think I actually have it. I have a copy of it from NetCali right now. Um, But I've got to wait for a summer day to read it because it's like a, a nice, bright, sunny summer day to read it outside. So total guess um, or just like recommending another mystery that I love for summer reading because it's so atmospheric. I can't stop recommending Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke. Really atmospheric mystery set in Texas. So good. I don't know if it really connects well with the guide, but it's just another atmospheric mystery that I think if you're looking for a good mystery thriller with a really compelling main character to root for, Bluebird, Bluebird by Attic Clock sounds good, but I can't wait to read The Guide by Peter Heller. That sounds so good. And I'm just, I'm so curious how authors are going to choose to acknowledge the pandemic or not as books keep coming out in the next few years. So reading something that's doing that or in some way, I'm very curious about that. Yes. And bonus aside, one of my friends went to this event from her local bookstore with Peter Heller, and she said that he's like a Silver Fox smoke show. So I think he lives in Colorado. I think so. I don't know. I've never He's seen like him around, but <laughs> an outdoorsy, handsome guy. So if that's your thing, <laughs> not that that means you should read his book, but I just I find that anecdote delightful because <laughs> she was like she was really excited to read the river and then like, I don't know, meet him or just like be at this event with him. And then it turned out that she was like, wow, I couldn't stop like listening to him talk. <laughs> Well, that is always good to know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, listeners. Well, we have stacked your TBRs, toppled them probably today with our anticipated summer releases and some backlist pairings. But as a reminder, we are talking May releases and doing something similar for our patrons, our classics club is what we affectionately call our Patreon community. So we'd love to see you over there. And if you need a few more book recs, this is the month to join. Classics Club members also get bonus episodes every Friday, including that May Books episode. And at the $8 tier, you get live and recorded classes and live book clubs. In June, we are discussing the House of the Spirits with our Patreon community, and we can't wait to discuss. So to find all of that, you can go to patreon.com slash novel pairings to join the community and learn more about what you get. We also want to remind you to sign up for our weekly newsletters at novelpairings.substack.com. That link is also in the show notes. That's where you'll get the first news about our Instagram lives and additional Patreon content. We absolutely cannot wait to hear which new or backlist books you pick up this summer. So if you grab a book based on this episode, please tag us on Instagram at Novel Pairings Pod and let us know. We also love to see when and where you're listening to the podcast. So tag us in those Instagram stories. And of course, keep spreading the word about novel pairings by sending your friends a link to your favorite episode, especially this one. 
or writing a review on Apple Podcasts because those reviews are quick, free to do. They really help us in the ratings and getting new bookworms hooked on the show. Thank you to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. Next week, we'll be back with our episode discussing part one of The House of the Spirits by Isabel Allende. So we'll be discussing chapters one through six. Until then, we declare after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything than of a book. Thank you.